Well, good morning, Christian Renewal Church. It's so good to be back with our Georgia family. There's nothing like coming home to family, is there? We travel extensively and we're 5,000 miles away from our earthly family, our biological family. But, you know, the body of Christ, the global body of Christ, we're all family. So we best get to enjoy each other now because we're going to spend eternity together, right? Well, I want to thank the worship team for leading us this morning. And when we sang about the faithfulness of God, you know, that always touches my heart. And it's now seven years that I'm cancer-free. And that is to be celebrated. God is faithful. God is faithful. He told me when I was diagnosed, it's just another testimony. And my grace is sufficient. So he watched over his word to perform it. Just another testimony that meant that I was coming through. And here I am seven years later, fulfilling the purpose that God ordained for my life. I knew I wasn't done yet. I knew that there was more to come. So I just want to encourage you that if the Lord has given you a word, it's like a check that is guaranteed you can take it to the bank because he watches over it to perform it. He doesn't do it in our timing because he's outside of our time. But if he's given you a word of encouragement, a word of a prophetic word, you can stand on that word. You can declare, Lord, you said, because he is faithful to watch over his word to perform it. So it's good to be here, especially on this Pentecost Sunday when he poured out his spirit on those 120. And boy, did they turn the world upside down. So what about us? What are we doing to turn the world upside down? Because he passed it on to us. So without saying any more, I'm going to hand over to Mark. But it's good to be back with you. And thank you for your love, your prayers, and your support. Amen. Thank you, Julie. You know, Julie and I get the privilege of traveling together and ministering together everywhere. God sends us and uh, they say one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. So don't underestimate what it is to be couples in ministry and, and we are honored that we can travel everywhere and thank you Christian Renewal Church for uh, just your love. As Julie said, you know, we're 5,000 miles away from our family, our four children and our six grandchildren and, and so we don't take lightly the love that you show to us. We, we really appreciate the financial financial support that we get every month from the church and from individuals in the church as well. But for us, you know, the love and the encouragement that we get from you is important as well. Sometimes we can give money to missionaries and we can forget that they're human beings going through trials and tribulations the same as everybody else. And just that word of encouragement. I know many of you follow us on Facebook um, and you get our newsletter. And so we just encourage you today that you would, um, if, you, if you don't get our newsletter. There's some newsletters in the foyer out there just as you leave. And there's a sign-up sheet for our newsletter. Um, there's even a uh a QR code if you're technical. I know this is a technical church. You've come into the, this century. Um, but there's a QR code if you want to just get your phone out and take uh, scan that QR code. You could sign up for our email newsletter. But there's a sign-up sheet in the back there. It's so important that we keep in contact with you. Not, not just to tell you what we're doing, but to encourage you in the Lord. How many of you know that when you watch the news programs in America, you're not always you're in the truth? Anybody, anybody figured that one out yet? So 
we were staying with a couple in Indianapolis a few months ago and, and the news program came on and I said, oh, I don't have time to watch this. I'm just going to go out. And they said, oh, this is a good one. I said, there is no good one. Because they all start with criticism of somebody else. You know, the minute you start criticizing somebody, you open a door for the enemy to come in and trample all over your life. So it doesn't matter which party you follow, which news program you, 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 you think is great. Don't criticize people. Come in love and come in encouragement. It'll make all the difference. So I encourage you, sign up for our newsletter. What we say is true. What we say is encouraging. And we're telling you what God is doing. We, we travel a lot to smaller churches and smaller cities, smaller towns, both in the US and throughout the world. And you know some of those churches, they can't afford to give us an offering to, to cover the amount of cost it takes to travel to them. So through your love and your support, and the people who support us monthly, we're able to go in faith. We're able to go and sow into these places. And, you know, we've seen so many pastors encouraged in these situations. We've seen lives turned around. We've seen altars filled. We've seen people giving their lives to the Lord. Some pastors say to us in these smaller churches, thank you for coming. I know there's bigger churches that would love to have you, but you've sacrificed. And I said, listen, don't, don't see it this way. You are important to God. There's not one of us. It doesn't matter the size of the church. I always say it's not about the size of your church. It's about the, how many you send to, to the, your neighbors and to the nations. And I know this is a sending church. Pastor Mark was telling me about the missions banquet tonight and the meal together. And I think he's celebrating 50 years of sowing into the mission field. Just think how many people are in heaven today just because this church has sent somebody to the nations. Think of how many lives, think of the crowd of witnesses that are there that are going to welcome you into heaven and say, hey, you don't know this, but you sent people to my village. You sent people to, to my town and people gave their lives to the Lord as a result of you sending and you praying and you believing for God. So I want to encourage you. Um, we were in a, a church a few weeks ago in uh, Louisiana, down the bayou. Now, if you, some, some of you think that you travel, well, you need to travel down the bayou of Louisiana if you want to see a different side of America. Um, it, it, down the bayou, they, they, where there were uh, hurricanes last year and the year before, you know, the houses are still demolished down there. There's churches that are demolished down there. There are businesses that are demolished. And as a result, there's a lot of drug addicts. There's a lot of homeless people. There's a lot of poverty. And we went to a small church. And to be honest with you, the, the pastor of that church has a heart for reaching those people who are devastated by the culture. And as we went there, 200 people packed in this small church, desperate to hear a word of hope. And as we shared with that group of people that Jesus is the hope of the world, Jesus wants to set you free. There's a photograph there of the altar call that day. You know, the first person to run to the front was a notorious drug addict in the town. That For the first time, he had come to the church that day. The pastor told me after, he said, I know you don't know the guy, but he said he is notorious in our town. And he said he came with a friend this morning and when he heard that Jesus could set him free he was at the altar giving his life to Christ God is moving in the United States of America 
Stop looking at what the news programs tell you or what your blog tells you or what Facebook tells you and the doom and gloom and start looking to Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he sent not only his, God sent his son, first of all, to die for us, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and equip us. And I feel it's sad in 2023 when I hear churches praying for a move of God. I believe God is up in heaven right now waiting for a move of man. He's waiting for a move of the church. He said, I've sent you my son. I've sent you my Holy Spirit. What else do you want? What else do you need? It's over to you. And so I want to encourage you today that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God wants to use you in what he is doing for those of you who are watching on live stream and maybe you don't know who Julie and I are and maybe you're new to the church here, um, we, we're originally from Wales. I always like to put a, a, a picture, a map up of where we're from because everybody thinks we have an English accent and I know that you don't have a Mexican accent even though you share a border with that country and so I have a Welsh accent because I'm from a small country of Wales and 20 years ago, Julie and I were very successful in the business world. Uh, we thought our lives were set for what we were doing. And in a service very much like this service, on a Sunday morning, the, the speaker asked the question, what legacy do you want to leave behind? What legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? What are you investing your life in that has any eternal value? Well, to be honest with you, at that time, I started to question what I was investing my timing. We have three resources available to us, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And when I analyzed what I was spending my time doing, I don't think much of it had any eternal value. I was a good Christian. I was leading worship in the church. I was doing many things. I was coming to prayer meetings and Bible studies. I was a good Christian, if you know what I'm saying. But I felt that there was more that I could be investing myself in to advance the kingdom that had eternal value. There's a, a British evangelist called Leonard Ravenhill who dedicated his life to a, the church in America to mobilize the church for mission, especially in the area of prayer and revival. And he's buried in Tyler, Texas. And on his gravestone, I took a photograph of his gravestone there in Texas, and it says this, are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? Are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? 20 years ago, that sobering question challenged Julie and I, and we decided that we were going to give God one year of our lives. And so we flew from Wales, we sold our home, we walked away from our careers, and we flew to Dallas, Texas to go to Christ for the Nation's Bible School for one year to see what God could do with our lives. And I'll be honest with you, during that one year, God broke our heart for the lost. He broke our heart for the nations. One teacher said this, he said, three billion people alive today have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel one time. At that time, there were seven billion people alive in the world. So that was over a third of the population of the world had never heard the gospel one time. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I always assumed that they'd heard the gospel, but they chose not to respond to it. They either were indifferent towards it or they were atheists and against the gospel. 
But the reality is that a third of the planet has never even heard the name of Jesus. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. We were nicknamed the second comers uh, because they thought Jesus was coming back that day, I think. You know, as a teenager, I would watch the door of the church thinking, is he going to come today? And then I find that a third of the world didn't know he came the first time. They're living without hope. They're living without the knowledge that Jesus Christ can change their lives. Judy and I at that time made that radical decision that we said we're going to give God a year of our lives every year until he tells us different. And now this year we celebrate 20 years in full-time missions. And God has taken us... God has taken us to 34 nations, and last week we were in Oregon, and that was our 49th U.S. state. We've done every state in the continental United States, and we've done Hawaii, we just have Alaska to go, and then we'll have been in every state of the USA. So we're on a roller coaster ride with God. I feel as though we're on a God adventure, and God has taken us to places that we never imagined that we would go. But let me tell you, the church in America is alive and well. There are people like yourselves all over the United States who are, are fully committed to God and wanting him to move in this time. And I believe that we are about to see the greatest move of God this nation has ever been and ever seen. Six years ago, the Lord challenged us to relocate our ministry to the United States of America. I'll be honest with you, I had trouble with it at the time. I said, Lord, there's people all over the world that need the gospel. And the Lord says, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice. I want you to go to the United States of America and I want you to redig the wells of revival in this nation. He said, the church in, the, in America has gone apathetic. There was a time that this was the greatest mission-sending country in the world. You know, at the moment, it's number three. Brazil and South uh, Korea are ahead of America as the greatest mission-sending countries in the world. But I believe there is time here to turn the tide. I believe that the church in the United States of America is about to wake up, and that's what's going to make the difference in fulfilling the Great Commission. Julie and I have been traveling extensively for the last six years. I, I was just putting a newsletter together, and um, th there's a picture there of us raising up the next generation. You know, there's young people all over America who are going to ministry school because they want to invest their lives in the gospel. And I want to encourage you today that God is calling people in 2023 to be his hands and his feet in this nation and in the nations of the world. Sometimes in a church that isn't missions focused, they think that, that really nobody goes on mission anymore. But you know as Christian Renewal Church that mission is the most important thing to focus on. It's the only reason that God didn't take you to heaven the minute you got saved. Because there is a mission that he wants you to carry out. 
We have spoken in churches and conferences and Bible schools and drug rehabilitation programs and Christian schools and youth camps and all sorts of places in the last six years. And God has been opening the eyes of people and he has been saving people and he's been calling people to the nations. In November last year, we were praying and we said, okay, God, well, what have you got for us for 2023? Where do you want our focus to be? We don't just want to be going through the motions. We want to be in the heart of what God is doing. And we felt God say that 2023 is going to be a year of revival in the United States of America. 2023 is going to be a year of revival. If, if you've watched the media at all, you, social media, you'll have seen uh, already God has been pouring his spirit out uh, on campuses and college campuses and in churches right throughout the U.S. And there is a move of God that is on at the moment. But he said to us, I want you to go to 23 states in 2023 and do a revival and breakthrough tour. And so that's what we've been focusing on this year so far. We've already been to uh, six states. So Georgia is our seventh state to, to, on our seventh year. I think there's something significant about that. You know, Christian Renewal Brunswick was the first church to join our, our support team when we relocated to Jacksonville, Florida. So thank you for being faithful in supporting us all this time. I, did it, I put this map together yesterday for our newsletter. I thought I'd show it to you today. That shows you where we've been since January this year. The red lines there, we've flown. So we started and we flew to California. We had an invitation to Visalia, California. And, and then uh, we took off on an eight-week road trip throughout Texas and Louisiana and Indiana. And, you know, God is moving powerfully. We are seeing altars filled everywhere we go. And then last week we were in Oregon. It was our 49th state to go to. And I said to the people in Oregon, I said, when we said we're coming to Oregon, people said, oh, that's a weird state. That's a strange people in Oregon. And I said, you'd probably think they are strange, the people who said it to us. But you know, there's a remnant in Oregon who are sold out for God and they, they are looking for revival in that. And I believe God, every night we preached, the, the altars were filled in that place. So I want to encourage you today to be expectant for what God is doing. I believe God has brought us here today on a divine assignment. I believe God has a plan and a purpose. I know today is a memorial weekend and I know it's a holiday weekend and people are away, but God has brought you here today because he wants to do something with your life. If you're watching on live stream, God wants to do something in your life today. Julie and I carry a, an anointing for breakthrough and revival and I believe God wants you to be the revival. Stop looking for revival and be the revival. Pastor Mark told me that they're doing a series called All In. I, I love the fact that, that, that that's what Judy and I made a decision 20 years ago. Okay, God, we're going to be all in for a year to see if it makes a difference. 
Being all in made all the difference to us. You know, before that, I was reading the Bible and I was reading what disciples did, but I wasn't seeing that in my own life. I was reading the words of Jesus and what he said we could do as his disciples, and I wasn't seeing it in my life. And in my mind, I'd put it off thinking, well, maybe that's for some special people. But no, that's for people who are all in. That's for people who will prioritize what God wants to do. God wants you and me to be all in. You know, I, I, I was sitting during worship and sometimes God speaks to me and I say, God, I'm not saying that. <laughs> That's offensive. You know, can I tell you what he said to me? Is it okay? Don't blame me. Don't blame the messenger, okay? Just blame what God said. But I was thinking about social media and I see a lot of stuff about don't buy from Target and don't buy from Walmart and don't support the president and all this stuff that, that they say. And I, and I felt God say to me, you know, they are not the enemy. The biggest enemy in the United States is the apathetic church. The apathetic church is the biggest enemy in the United States of America. That's a church that's not all in. And I'm not talking about the corporate group. I'm talking about you as an individual because you know you and I are the church. Corporately, we gather as the church, but the apathetic church, what did Jesus say in Revelation? He, he said, I'd rather you be hot or, or cold because lukewarm people make me sick. I know I paraphrased that a little, but he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. He's not looking for a half-baked church. He's looking for a church that is all in. And I was looking at the dictionary definition of the word all in. And what it said in the dictionary, it said fully committed or being committed to without, uh, sorry, fully committed or fully involved in something. Are you fully involved in what God is doing in this generation? Today we're, we're looking at the harvest, but when I thought about the word fully committed, I like to think of it as fully committed as, or being committed to without compromise. Are you a no compromise Christian? Are you a Christian that says, God, I want to follow your plan and your purpose for my life without compromise? I've said it here before, I think, that I believe the biggest battle in the church in the United States is distraction. America is full of other things that you can be doing other than worshiping God, other than committing to what God's plan is to your life. This is like the United Kingdom. It is the same. It's an entertainment culture. Everybody wants to be entertained. Everybody wants to, to have their own feelings stroked. But God wants you to reach others. Today we're looking at going all in with the harvest. The only reason that Jesus didn't take you to heaven is that one, one phrase, the harvest. There is a harvest with your name on. There's a, there are people that Jesus wants to reach that only you can reach. Now you may say, Mark, that's, that's a bit of a, a ridiculous statement. Other people could reach these people. Well, you know, unless God calls me to come and live in Brunswick or wherever you're living, the chances of me meeting those people are probably zero but for some reason, God has put them in your sphere of influence because you have a message for them of hope and eternal life. And God wants to use your life to reach your neighbors. 
Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus likens, likens sending people to bring in the natural harvest of crops to sending his disciples to share the gospel and the good news of the kingdom with the people who desperately need a savior. Let me read you this from verse 35. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And then it goes on to say, when he saw, that's Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then verse 37 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let me for a moment go back to verse 36. It says, when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me tell you, if Jesus came and lived in America in 2023 and he looked at the people around America, he would say they're harassed like people without a shepherd. He would say they're living in chaos, they're living in confusion. Now, I realize that he, he, he wouldn't necessarily say that if he was talking to Christians, but you know, the majority of America at the moment is in confusion. Even Christians are in confusion. There's churches that are making choices to compromise with the world because they want to reach more people, but in doing so, they are allowing the enemy to come in and change the doctrine of their church, and they're missing the point about what God said, that we should do. We are to be salt and light. We are the ones to add flavor to them, not allow them to come in and change the flavor of us. We are the church of Jesus Christ. You know, one of, one of the things that I, I feel strongly, and I've preached this message all over America since, since January, I believe there, there is an epidemic of anxiety in this nation. There is an epidemic of, and I don't say that lightly to you today. I was researching this and uh, I found out these statistics. It said 42 million Americans are suffering with anxiety. 42 million Americans are suffering with anxiety and that's the ones that are admitting to it. As every church I go to, we throw the altars open and people come and they, they tell us about all the troubles they want us to pray for. And really what they're doing is they're being anxious about their situation. Now, they may not have been to a doctor's office. They may not be diagnosed with anxiety, but they are anxious because they think that their circumstances is bigger than God. I believe that anxiety and worry is the greatest evidence that you don't trust God. If you are living your life in worry and anxiety, let me tell you, there is a God out there that wants to change that. There's a God out there that wants to come in and change your circumstances. He wants to change everything about your life. More than 400 Americans die annually from suicide. That's people who feel that giving up on life is better than living life. That's a lot of people, 40,000 Americans. Wow. 
We're watching a local news program in a hotel. I, I don't like watching the news, but we're in a hotel, and Julie likes watching these restoration programs of, you know, a house that's de- demolished, and they build it back up. She, she has a heart for restoration because she loves to see lives restored, and so she likes watching those programs, and she flicked it on, and the news program was on, and up on the screen came this statistic, so I took a picture of it, and, and, and I wrote it out after. It said 57% of teenage girls in the U.S. feel persistently sad and hopeless. One in every three teenage girls had seriously considered suicide. 57%, more than half the teenage girls in America feel persistently sad and hopeless. How does that make you feel as an American? Does that make you proud of your culture today? I don't know about you, and I'm not judging America. I'm sure the statistics are similar in the United Kingdom where I'm from, but God has called us here to minister. And I think it's important when you were checking to fix something, what the situation is in front of you. And this statistic wasn't a Christian program. It was a secular news program. And it said 50%, 7% of teenage girls in the U.S. are persistently sad and hopeless. In April, we had just watched this, uh, seen this statistic, and we had the invitation to go to a Christian high school in Louisiana, and uh, there was 175 high school children in, in a chapel service, and they said, Mark and Julie, would you like to come and encourage our school? And, and so, you know, I can't help myself, but sometimes God says something and I have to say it, so I said, okay. So I put that statistic up on the screen in a high school. I said, this is what I just read on the news, that 57% of teenage girls in the U.S. are persistently sad and hopeless, and one in three, a third of them, uh, I'd seriously considered suicide. And so th- this is your age group, I said to them. This is your age group. This is, And I don't think this is just restricted to girls either. I think it's probably the same with boys. And Julie and I taught them that day about God's plan and purpose for your life. God has come to give you hope and a future. God wants to change the world and he wants to use your life to do it. And then we talked about the fact that there is an enemy out there that comes to kill, to steal and destroy. He wants to distract you from God's plan and he wants you to feel hopeless and discouraged. He wants you to feel as though your life is a mess. He wants to feel that you're not good enough. And Julie did an altar call that day and she said to to these young people, if you feel like that, that you feel hopeless, you feel as though you're not good enough, or maybe you've had suicidal thoughts, would you raise your hands? And sheepishly, a, a number of them that day raised their hands. And we, we started to say, we want to pray for you this morning. We believe God's going to break that off your life. We believe that God is going to change your heart in that situation. You're going to see yourself as the person that God created you to be. Will you stand to pray with me? Well, for a few moments, nobody stood. Nobody wanted to be the first one. But then a girl on the second row stood. And you could see everybody looking at her. And then another one stood. And another one stood. And another one until probably a hundred kids that day stood up in a Christian school saying that they were feeling discouraged, they were having suicidal thoughts, or they were feeling they're not good enough. That is what this culture is sowing into our young people. And again, it's not restricted to just young people. 
It's, it's every generation that is suffering from discouragement. This is why I feel that Jesus looking around America would say, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. These people need hope. Where are they going to find hope? Well, they're going to find hope in us. Not just Mark and Julie, not just missionaries, but in you as well, the church of Jesus Christ. There are people in Brunswick, Georgia, who need the hope that only God can bring to them. You know, if, if you think that hope will come when the right politician or political party is elected in the White House, then let me tell you, you're sadly deluded. Because what I've seen of it, they all make a mess of it eventually. Your hope today is in Jesus Christ. He is still on the throne. He hasn't been demoted. He hasn't been moved off. He hasn't been kicked out. Because when he sat down, he said, it is finished. You know, there's people waiting on you. And they need what God has put on you today. You are the answer to your neighbors. You are your, the answer to Brunswick, Georgia. You are the answer to this state and you are the answer to this nation. What Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 is as true in 2023 as it was in 2,000 years ago. He said the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. As I watched the live stream of the last few weeks, I found it interesting that you started obviously with saying that we're all in with God. You know, that's where it starts. You have to be all in with God. And then you're all in with family. And, you know, we, we have to be all in with family. We have to break bread together. It's, it's what we do as the family of God. Then Pastor Mark Anthony last week did a great job. I know that he envisioned you all as, as uh, stuffed animals. Wasn't that, he said, he, that's how he practiced as a child, talking to stuffed animals. I've been to some churches like that, where it feels as though I'm talking to stuffed animals. None of them got saved, but, you know... <laughs> As Pastor Mark Anthony said, all of his got saved every time he preached to them as a child. But the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he, he spoke last week about being all in with the church. Sometimes I think as Christians, and this is so easy to do, we can think of the church as being some sort of social club that we belong to. And we can come and we can enjoy worship and we can enjoy the fellowship, as we call it. And then we can go home and then we think, and now we live our other life. Now we live the life that everybody else lives. And maybe we'll, if we're a really good Christian, we'll come to a prayer meeting or a Bible study or be part of the youth group. Or, and then next week we'll come and we'll, and we'll do the same thing again. But you know, on Sunday morning, you are the church gathered but Monday to Saturday, you're the church scattered. That the purpose that you come to church is to be encouraged and to hear the word and have fellowship and gather together. As Jesus said, don't, don't stop doing that. We want to do that, but, but it's really about Monday to Saturday and not, uh, not just Monday to Saturday, but Sunday afternoon as well. You may have plans this afternoon, but let me tell you, God also has plans for this afternoon. 
There are people in Brunswick, Georgia, who are praying prayers right now, saying, God, if you are real, let me talk to somebody about you. You've heard testimony after testimony, I'm sure, of people who have come to the Lord as a result of somebody talking to them about Jesus just after they'd prayed that prayer. God can use your life today to speak to somebody. Look for divine appointments. The harvest are the people around us who need Jesus and the workers are you and me. If Jesus was looking today and saying and analyzing the church, I believe he would say, well, they're good at gathering. They're good at attending, but they're not good at gathering the harvest. I think that that's something that that Jesus would say to the church in America, the United Kingdom, and probably many other nations of the world. But we are the workers that reach the harvest. Matthew 20 said to his disciples, one of the last things he said before he went back to heaven is, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We've come to know that verse as the Great Commission. It's a mission that Jesus says, I will partner with you in. You go, I'll go ahead of you, and I'll go with you. I'll give you everything that you need, and I'll even prepare people in advance for you to talk to. I like to think of that moment as Jesus talking to his first disciples as starting a relay race. This is a relay baton. And so Jesus talking to his disciples says, okay, this is the gospel. This is what will save the people of this earth. This is the one that will give people eternal life. And today I give that to you. I want you to run this race. And he puts the baton in the first disciple's hand. And he says, run, I will go ahead of you. I will go with you. I'll give you everything that you need. I'll tell you what to say when you don't know what to say. Go and run. And so the first disciple picks up the baton and so does the rest of them and they start to to run with the gospel. The only reason that you are in this church today or you are following Jesus is because somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody put the baton in your hand. But what have you done with the baton? What were you meant to do? Did the person who gave you the baton say, just go to church every week? Or did he say, run? Because you need to be a disciple who's making disciples. You need to be a disciple that says, I have a responsibility because there is a harvest out there and I'm a worker and I'm going to go and I'm going to bring in this harvest that God my Father told me to go and bring in. The problem is an apathetic church or an apathetic Christian will drop the baton and they don't even know where it is when they go and they leave the church building. You are holding a baton today that says that first of all, you're saved. First of all, somebody has shared the gospel with you. You've given your life. You have eternal hope. But your job is to pass the baton to somebody else. I want to encourage you today that God wants to use your life 
to change and transform not only this nation, but the nations of the world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. It says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is preparing things in advance for you to do. All you have to do is show up. All you have to do is show up where he wants you to do. Me speaking here this morning is not my plan. God prepared that. When I was a successful businessman in Wales 20 years ago, I had no idea there was a place called Brunswick, Georgia, or there was a Christian renewal church here. I had no idea, but God knew, and he said at some stage, that church is going to support you to go into all the world. Now, if he had said that to me 20 years ago, I would have said, God, I think you've missed it. But God says, I have a plan and a purpose and I'm working it out. And today, for some bizarre reason, he gives me the microphone to tell you that the baton is in your hand and you have a responsibility to reach your neighbors and the nations with the gospel. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, that is the devil or the enemy, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it more abundantly. As we travel throughout the United States and we, we visited probably 300 churches in total and in the US and so, you know, not all churches are the same. And not all people are the same within those churches, but I've seen more prayer at the altar for people who say, I'm not living the abundant life that Jesus came to give me. I've got apathetic, I've got tired of doing well. You know, the Bible says, don't get weary in well-doing. But you know, when life happens to us, sometimes we can get tired, sometimes we can get busy, sometimes we can get weary. But I believe that God wants to change that for the church in the United States. The question I want to leave you with today, are you living in the fullness of the life that Jesus came to give you? Are you all in with the harvest? Are you all in with what God, his plan and his purpose is for your life? Or have you settled for less? Jesus, uh, as an example to his disciples, uh, gave what I believe is the job description of a spirit-filled believer. Now, I know Christian Renewal Church Brunswick is a spirit-filled church. It started with, with a pastor that, that hasn't changed his message in 40 years, uh, that, that Jesus came to give you his Holy Spirit, and now you're empowered to go and change the world. But this is what Jesus said was the job description of a spirit-filled believer. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. How are you doing with your job description today? Is that what your life looks like? Are you going? Are you raising the dead? Are you healing the sick? Are you cleansing the leper and casting out demons? Or are you just settling? for a mediocre type of life. Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you shall receive power. Today is Pentecost. This is the day of the fulfillment of this promise. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends 
of the earth. The apostle Paul went on to say, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Does the Holy Spirit live inside you today? Therefore, if the Holy Spirit lives on the inside you, resurrection power is what is on the inside you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So what are you waiting for today? What are you waiting for to reach the world with the gospel? Maybe you think there's nobody out there that's going to listen to you. Let me just end with a, a short story that last Sunday night we were invited. It was our first ever time and we went to preach in a gelato and dessert store in Grants Pass, Oregon. The owner of the store opened his, his dessert store. It's not normally open on a Sunday, but he opened. He says, I want to gather some friends of mine from about five different churches who are interested in revival and changing our city for Jesus. Would you preach? So I said, yes. And, and I went and there was five different churches represented, people who were on fire for Jesus. And they wanted to see revival in their nation. But you know, the, the best part of this story was that this young couple in their early 30s, three years ago, they were on drugs and they were alcoholics and they had a business, but they were struggling with their life. And they were far from Jesus. They didn't even know who he was. And somebody went into their shop and told them one day about Jesus. And he discipled them and they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. God told them to move to Grants Pass, Oregon and open a store so they could share Jesus with somebody else. And so they went and there we were having this opportunity to gather with some people. And they spend their life telling them Jesus touched their life and they got delivered from the addictions of drugs and alcohol. And now he just wants to share the gospel with everyone else. How many people are in your life, in your sphere of influence, who are like that, who are that close to Jesus redeeming their life? How many people, it wouldn't it be great in three years' time if I was to say, somebody in Brunswick shared the gospel with their neighbors or their work colleague or their school colleague. They didn't know that that person was on drugs, but now, three years later, you know, they're on fire for Jesus. Their destiny has changed because you shared the gospel with those people. Ask yourself this morning, am I all in? with a harvest. You know, God wants to use your life to bring transformation to others. Would you stand with me this morning? I believe 2023 is a year of revival. God said it to us and we are committed to seeing God move in this nation but God wants to move through this nation through you. And he wants to move through me. God wants you to be the revival that you're longing for. The revival starts with one person sharing the gospel with another one person. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I want to encourage you today that you may think of your life as not having enough. But today on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, 
we are reminded that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. The resurrection power of Christ, the power to open blind eyes and stop deaf ears, the power to feed 5,000 people and raise Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus said, greater things than these will you do in my name. How many of you want to see the greater things that Jesus said in your life today? I want to pray for you this morning and you know, I always feel with an altar call and when I'm up on a stage like this that I'm a, way, a long, long away, away from you and it sounds as though I'm going to pray for you as if I'm superior to you in some way. But let me tell you, every and every day it's a battle to be all in with the harvest. There are op- opportunities, there are situations that want to distract me from being all in with the harvest. But this morning, if you want to say to God, God, I am all in, use my life. Will you join me at the front? I'm going to come down and be at the altar this morning. I believe being all in starts with a just a shift of your position this morning. I don't believe there's any greater anointing at the front than there is at the back or if you're watching on live stream. I believe the anointing that's here this morning is going to break bondages. It's going to heal you this morning. If you need a physical healing or you need an emotional healing or maybe you're nervous today of sharing the gospel with somebody else. Pastor Mark Anthony shared last week about 3,000 people being added to the church when Simon Peter shared the gospel. I know, I think God put that in there to encourage those who feel as though their life's a mess. How could they ever share the gospel? Because Simon Peter was a mess until the Holy Spirit came and empowered him and gave him what he needed. So if that's you today, raise your hands toward heaven and say, Lord, I'm all in. Lord, use my life today. Let me be your hands and your feet in this, in this nation. Use my life as an ambassador for Christ today. I want the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to take me to a new level, Lord. Father, I thank you today for each and every person that's represented you in this place. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for hands raised. I thank you for those who are watching this online today that says, I want to be all in. I want to be living that abundant life. I want to be living a life that's filled with Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are not a God that would hold back from us today, but having sent Jesus, first of all, to die for us and rise from the dead and then sending your Holy Spirit to empower us, you're still giving us the grace that we need for the season that we're in. So, Father, today we pray for each and every person standing here and we say, Lord, use these people for your glory, Lord Jesus. Use these people, Lord Jesus, to go to those who are like sheep without a shepherd in this nation. This shepherd, this, the, the young people and the older people in this nation who are without hope, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have the words of eternal life. And today, Lord, we ask you by your Holy Spirit to equip and empower each and every person. Allow them, God, to get rid of all the rubbish 
rubbish, all the trash that's filled their lives, Lord, that they can be all in with the harvest, God. Oh, Father, let us be part of the workers. Let us turn around that statistic that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Lord. Raise up people all over America right now, God, that are going to reach every immigrant that comes into this nation that needs the gospel, that are going to reach everybody in the, in the political arena, Lord. Father, we're not praying today that you would change the people. We're change you pray that you change their hearts today, Lord. Let them have a radical encounter with Jesus today day, even in the White House, Lord Jesus, in the government, in the government here in Brunswick, in the government here in Georgia, Lord. I pray, Father, for everybody that holds an office in this place to have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ today, Lord, that they will live holy lives, sold out for you, Lord. Let them be ambassadors for Christ. Their policies will change, we know, when their hearts are changed, Lord Jesus. Father, we stand in agreement today. That God, you're going to move in revival in Brunswick. You're going to remove. You're going to move in revival, Lord Jesus, in Glen County. You're going to move in revival, Lord Jesus, in this state and every other state in the United States of America. Father, this is a country where God will be first, once again. God, we stand asking you, Lord Jesus, today to use each and every one of us. Even those who feel inadequate today, they feel they don't have what it takes. We thank you, Lord, that it's not about us. It's about you. We have everything we need for life and for godliness today. Father, I thank you that this is an opportune time to lead into communion this morning. I can't think of a, of a better time for Pastor Mark to come and lead us in the emblems of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. In Revelation, it says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, which we're reminded about as we take communion. And what? And the word of our testimony. Your story is important. So the blood of Jesus today, one thing that Judy and I do every morning is we plead the blood of Jesus over us. When we go into any situation, we don't know what spirits are operating, even in churches that we go into. We plead the blood of Jesus over us because it gives us a protection. There are spirits at work in Georgia that God has given you authority over. Some of you have... have maybe thought of living a quiet Christian life, but today you have the blood of Jesus. You just need to start pleading the blood of Jesus over the politics in this state. So you just need to start pleading the blood of Jesus over the Christianity in this state. The, over, the, over what the school districts are doing in this state. You need to start pleading the blood of Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to the hearts and the lives of those people around you.